And welcome back to the True Patriot Podcast interview series, folks. And we have the man, the myth, the legend himself, the reigning angler of the year for the Colorado Kayak Bassmasters, Mr. Trev Stuckey. Trev, welcome to the show, man. Well, thanks for having me, Gene. I'm honored to be here, buddy. And I don't know about legend, but we got some work to do. But uh, legend uh, in the works. Yes, sir. (laughs) Hopefully. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Well, listen, man, I uh, I can't thank you enough for coming on our little show here and uh, and sharing in uh, talking fishing with us here and talking about the the club and and all things uh, related to the to the podcast here. This is uh, super cool. Thanks for taking time out of your uh, out of your busy schedule. Absolutely, buddy. You caught me at a good time. We're in between seasons at the shop. We have a we have our second rifle season starting here in Colorado tomorrow, and that is our biggest season at the shop for us. So this was perfect to be able to sit down and not have to think about work for a little bit and, and talk about <laughs> what we love, man, and those little brown fish. Well, and uh, for those people that are unaware, the, the shop you speak about, what what is that shop? So, yeah, I actually work at a place called Steve's Meat Market. Um, my better half actually owns Steve's Meat Market, but I've been there. Uh, this is my 21st year there. Wow. Uh, I got my... Yeah, I, I joined up with, with Steve's right after I got out of college, which uh, I went to Western over in Gunnison for a few years, didn't finish, um, but needed a job and uh, came down to Arvada. And uh, that's my hometown is Arvada, Colorado. That's where I was born and raised, um, went to school and everything. Um, so I knew about Steve's and we used Steve's before I ever started working there. My family hunted. Nice. And uh, yeah, I uh, uh, asked for a job and uh, got one and... Uh, Lo and behold, I've been there ever since. Now, four years ago, the owner, Steve, uh, who I consider my father-in-law, I mean, he's he's been a huge part of my life ever since I've been at the market. And uh, and Amy, that's his daughter. Uh, four years ago, he decided to retire. She purchased the building and the business. And we uh, continued to just keep it going for him and that's us. That's awesome. And, uh, yeah, we're the largest game processor in Colorado. Uh, we do anywhere from four to six thousand plus animals a year will come through our shop. Wow. Uh, so it is it, it it's quite the operation. We're located in Old Town, Arvada. We've been there for thirty five years, I believe. And uh, yeah, it's uh, so it's a busy time. Uh, I, I I work hard this time of year so I can play hard in the off season. That's right. And, uh, that's it's a good gig for a guy who likes to fish. That's for sure. Now, do you uh, does the shop does it sell meat retail? as well or we we used to sell retail and uh we actually had a good supplier to supply us with a usda inspected meat that we could then turn into products for retail and keep separate from the game side Uh, that's the number one thing is you you can't do them both together um so we would shut down processing do the retail side but unfortunately right before uh about a two years or three years before the COVID deal happened, our supplier actually sold and we were unable to find a good supplier to keep our retail side going and consistent. And that's the oh. number one thing for us at the shop is finding good quality products to make, you know, consistent good products there. Uh, so we decided, Steve actually decided to stop the retail so we could expand the game processing side even larger than it already was. Sweet. Uh, so we don't sell retail, um, but 
we do a ton of custom products for animals from all over the country, not just even here in Colorado. Um, I just had an Oryx from New Mexico or deer from Nebraska, antelope from Wyoming, uh, moose from Canada. I mean, you name it. We've seen it come through. We, (laughs) we only do big game. So we don't handle anything with rabbits or small game or fish or anything like that. Uh, so yeah, it's a niche business for sure, but one that needs to be around in this state because hunting is, it's huge. And, uh, I don't actually do too much hunting anymore. I actually, uh, um, more just took on the fishing side. Sure. So we could handle the business side during the season. And, I was going to uh, say, it makes sense. You're most busy at your shop during that hunting season. So it's, you know, kind of yeah, that you got to be on hand. Bite. Yeah, I miss the fall bite. You guys all get to go enjoy. So I have to watch <laughs> for you. So, yeah, it's uh, to, to do all the fishing for me there. So, but uh, yeah, it's a it's a cool business. I'm definitely glad I found it. It fits my lifestyle. Perfect. And also the support I have from the shop, um, uh, yeah. not only with Amy, but the family and a lot of our employees that have been there 15 plus years. We're, we're very lucky to have them return every year, especially nowadays when it's so tough to, to keep staff. Yep. So, yep. Yeah. That's awesome stuff, man. It's, you know, and most of the time we spend more time at work than we do at home, right? I mean, half the oh. time your, your work family, you know, sees you more time than, than the home life does. It, it seems like. Absolutely. Our yeah. season starts September 1st, and uh, if I have a tournament in September, she'll she'll let me go for that. However, our season is September 1st to February 1st, and we work every single day through that stretch. Seven days a week, we're at the shop one way or the other, and uh, that's uh, through Thanksgiving, through Christmas. Uh, one of us is there no matter what, every day. And you need to be, and that's just because the volume is is so high in such a short amount of time. And we do have seasons that go all the way through those holidays, and uh, we need to be open for our guys. I mean, if a guy decides he wants to go out Christmas morning and uh, do a little hunting and get something down, we we as a responsibility need to keep that shop open so he has a place to bring that animal. That's awesome, man. That's super, super cool. So on the fishing side, you say you focused on the fishing. How long have you been kayak fishing specifically? So you might be surprised. I'm fairly new to the game as far as kayak fishing. Um, I would say hardcore kayak fishing started in 2015, 16, I would say, uh, when I got my first Hobie PA and just gradually you know, climbed from there, um, did a lot of the Cape, uh, Kenny hood actually, who's also a CKB member of ours. He was huge and kind of opening my eyes to the tournament side of kayak fishing pretty soon after I had gotten my Hobie and KBF was, you know, KBF was huge right then. I mean, we were, we were going to national championships and, uh, at Kentucky Lake, like they were this year. And, uh, we also were down in Shreveport, Louisiana. I mean, we, he kind of opened our eyes to, to that side and I just loved it. And I ran with it. We had our, our tournaments here also going on with, with the Colorado kayak fishing club. Uh, but I always wanted more and I always been wanting to learn more. And I felt that in order for us to get where we would want to be. And I kind of speak for, I think of quite a few of us in this club is we need to travel and fish against 
people all over and different bodies of water all over. I, I love fishing our, our tournaments here in Colorado, but it just, I, I wanted more. And, yep. uh, with that came learning more tactics and, uh, uh, a member, a guy who hasn't fished, a uh, any of our tournaments, but is huge, huge in my coming up with the, you know, getting on the fishing side, um, is big John Moresco. Um, he's been a buddy of mine. He actually has worked at the shop with me a few seasons. Uh, very, uh, cool dude that wasn't afraid to show a guy, you know, not necessarily just here's this bait, you throw it, but you learn your own style. You fish with how what you feel is comfortable and run with it and hit the water as much as possible. And we fished a ton together on the shore long before we ever were in our kayaks. Um, nice. Big, Big John was huge, uh, along with Kenny Hood and, and, and Johnny Kayak also. Those guys were huge into just opening a door for me that I never knew really was. I, I, I didn't think I would take on fishing as much as I did. Um, I, I played in bands a lot through my twenties, uh, early thirties. Um, I was in a couple of different bands. I drummed, I played bass, I sang, um, kind of heavy metal bands. Uh, nice. for those that know me behind the scenes, they know I'm a, I'm an old metal head. Um, and when I was in those bands, I always strived to want to play as many shows or, or, or do as much as we could. And, and it's very hard to get a group of guys together that, are on the same page as that. Once I started tournament fishing and finding a little bit of success and continually, gradually how I felt getting better. Um, I knew I was in full control. I quit all the band stuff. I, it was more feeling like a ne negative thing now because now I'm in full control on the fishing side and I'm super competitive and I can just take this and run with it. And, uh, and I did and, and tried to fish as much as possible. I fished, a a lot of tournaments in the last four to five years and been very fortunate to go all over the place and, and, uh, was lucky enough this year to hang on to enough tournaments to, <laughs> to win AOI. So, so yeah, it's, it's progressively gotten better every year since. Yes. Two, two pieces there. Number one, you got bit with the bug and there's a few of us out there that when you get bit with that tournament bug, um, I know plenty of guys that love to go fishing. They love the outdoors. They love engaging the outdoors and, and tournament fishing just isn't for them. You know, it just doesn't draw them. It's not a, and what was funny to me is that on, on, on a basic level, we are kind of talking about gambling, right? I mean, oh, a little bit. <laughs> absolutely. Um, and if you, if you ask anybody who knows me and you ask them, does he like to gamble? The, the response, no, not at all. Cause I, I can't stand gambling to be honest with you. It's, I'm, I'm it's such a, that. I don't even buy scratch tickets. Cause I'm like, why would I waste the dollar? <laughs> I don't win. You know, every, every crank of a slot machine is I'm just thinking of lures I could have bought or <laughs> line that I should have bought. I mean, that's my mentality now if, when yep. it comes to gambling is I, if I'm going to waste money, I want to waste it on tackle because at least that makes me happy. And I know, you know, what I'm getting back when I spin that. Uh, sure. I'm a huge uh, swim bait guy. I I don't fish yes. a lot of swim baits, but I'm a huge swim bait guy and collector back here. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, 
it, it's if I'm going to spend money, it's usually going to be towards the fishing side, no doubt. Gambling. Well, and I think name. I think maybe in this, it could be an illusion to us, but we control more of our own destiny. Sure, we spend money at these events. We are trying a chance to win our money back and and take our buddy's money uh, at the same time. Yep, and. And whether or not it's, you know, we we feel like we have more control over the situation or maybe it's an illusion that we do. Who knows? But I know it's yeah. not just pure luck. You know, it's I mean, I, I am one of those people that says I don't care who you are, how good you are, Denny Brower or Joe Blow. Dude, you got there is luck is a factor to some degree somewhere. Mm -hmm. Now, you can make your own, but you still need to have that perfect storm of things come together. You know, Absolutely. that's outside of your control, but, but in gambling stuff, you know, when you go in that, that side of things, it's like, that's, it's just, like you said, you pull a lever and that's, that's your interaction. Yeah. You, know, you put a deal. There's nothing to that, but it's not going to work. Yeah. Nope. And it sounds like, you know, clearly you got bit with the bug because when you do get bit with it, when you combine the competitive nature type deal along with the outdoors, Dude, it is, uh, it's, it's, it, I, I don't know. It's with, it doesn't matter the size of fish for me when I catch a bass, it's, it's such an, it's, it's a, just an adrenaline hit. Oh, I love seeing them big and small. Now, obviously the big ones, when those come in, dude, the shaking, the every, it's like buck fever. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. It, oh, yeah. it hits. And it's, I knew at that point that, yeah, I, I have an issue here, but it's a good issue and, and I'm, I'm going to, you know, push with it. But the second piece, piece I want to bring is you sound, you and I, I think are from the same lineage. When you go into something, dude, it's all in. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I just don't like, like doing things half-assed. I don't, yeah, I don't <laughs> like doing things half-assed and, and I'll tell you, I've, I've lost to I, I've lost a ton of tournaments and money to a lot of hammers in, in this state and not only in this state, but traveling and that competitiveness of, man, I got to try to get these guys, you know, these guys, it's consistent and, and you've seen it too. There's consistently the same hammers, no matter where we go, these guys perform and they're getting better every year. Yep. And if you don't stay on top of your game, you're going to get left by the wayside. And my another huge drive for me was going to these tournaments and just uh, going out to Kentucky Lake for the national championship and catching one fish in two days and having to have that drive back home. I mean, you just came back from Pickwick. You know yep. how how that that's a long drive to reflect. Well, Dude. I've had a lot of those drives in my short career, a lot of them. I mean, the first three, four years of tournaments, you know, I was happy to even bust a top 10 or, or say, you know what, I got my limit this tournament. Um, so that drive of just, I, I hated that feeling of leaving a tournament feeling. And, and, you know, you see guys with these nice, these big bags, or I, I hated that feeling. I hated yep. driving home I had my my music blasting, you know, I'm banging on the steering wheel on, you know, how I should be getting better. Uh, that drive right there, along with trying to take a smarter approach to how I, I'm approaching the water in the next tournament, 
um, and, and just spending time on the water. I know that's a cliche that everybody hears all the time, but there is no doubt it. about it. Time on the water is everything. Absolutely. It's, you know, and that's a lot of new folks coming into our sport. When they hear that response, they think it's, uh, I don't know, they think it's a, maybe a cookie cutter response that everybody right. gives them when they don't have a better uh, answer for them. But if they, if any of you are new to tournament angling, take it from two of us sitting here that have been doing this for a few years. This is the truth. The more time you're on the water, the cleaner you get in decision-making, the more comfortable you get with your gear. Um, mm -hmm. And it could be something, this is going to sound funny, but it could be something as, as um, maybe a, the way a reel reacts when you start getting towards the end of your line, maybe there's a slip, maybe there's, there's just something about that reel, you know, that's a little bit different on the retrieve. You will subconsciously lock that in your head and you'll make adjustments to these things. Absolutely. You know, and it's the little things like that when it becomes, this is what I had said, uh, what helped me at Lewis and Clark have my best finish of the year was the very fact that we went to Swanson. The following weekend, I went to Wilson. Oh, yeah. And right. then the following weekend, I went up to Lewis and Clark. Um, or maybe it was it was one of those. It was three weekends back to back. I right. was traveling. But, dude, I was on the water consistently. consistently. I was practicing. Mm -hmm. um, I was hanging around other sticks out there. We were taught. My mind was was locked in on what I was doing. Right. And while Lewis and Clark fish tough, we were able to make adjustments. And I remember one, the one key piece, and I got to find a way to duplicate this on day two. When I was, I started day two in fifth place after day one, I was one of only like eight anglers to catch a limit out of like a field of 60. Nice. <clears throat> day one fish tough day two um, I, I tried something a little bit different because I saw, I found this flat up on top of one of the main, uh, main channel areas. And I thought, you know what, maybe those smallies are pulling up there. So I wanted to go up and throw a spook around and, you know, throw See, a little something, something in your gut. Yeah. I told you that. Right. So, and that's the stuff you can't teach. So that's important. You know, that something in your gut told you about this spot for day two. Right, and right there. That means that that's where the start is right there. Go ahead. I'm and, sorry. I didn't no, that's okay. And here is the interesting part. Though. So I went up there and I spent the greater portion of, you know, lines in till, you know, the sun was, you know, starting to come up and I didn't, I didn't catch anything. I spent probably maybe oh. too much time there, but I'm okay. sitting here and I remember going, okay, well, we'll go back into the backwaters again. Cause I'm not too far from there. So I'll just uh, cook into the backwaters. It just, it didn't bother me that my my you know gut feeling led me wrong i knew it was a good answer i know at some point or another i'm telling you smallies pull up on that flat i know they do it well, just it, wasn't it can it can be looked at two ways there it, it didn't pan out right so that eliminated that water that's totally. not a that's not a fail by any means that's uh totally. that's actually good that i mean that steered you to another direction but something good or bad in your gut told you to check it out first. And I, I'm a firm believer you got it. You have to follow your instincts. That's that's number one for sure. So that wasn't yeah. necessarily a fail by any means. It, you eliminated water. That's huge. 
Totally. And so our next decisions, we moved back into an area trying to find some fish. I think I boated like two fish and I, I looked at the standings real quick while I was sitting in 11th place. I'm like, whoa, everybody started catching them. Yep. And here was the part. This is where time on the water, that point, just to hammer your point home here. My initial reaction when I saw that was, wow, I bet you the river's starting to fish normal now. It wasn't, oh, crap, I got to go catch more fish. Right. For the right. first time all season, my response was, huh. So I'm betting that means the river's fishing a little bit more normal, and now guys are starting to get on them. Okay. Well, let's go see what we can find then. So I started going and looking a little more traditional river fishing that I used to do back on the Mississippi and, and lacrosse area. Nice. And dude, next thing you know, bing, bing, bing. I got a small, like probably 65 inch, you know, limit up on the, on the deal. Now I'm sitting in about ninth and it was all right. Now let's go find them big brown river smallies because they right. may not be heavy. They're skinny, but I knew they're going to be long if they're in Very that current. Long. Absolutely. So I just totally was able to focus in. And, and it was only like a week after I got back that I started thinking about that going, dude, I didn't freak out at all. And by the end of the day, I'm in third place. You know, I'm a quarter inch out of second. How cool if, is that? If I could have called that 15 incher out of, because I had like a 19, a pair of 18s, a 17 and a 15. If I could have got rid of that Great 15 guy. for another 18, we would have been banging on the door for first, man. It was, Absolutely. it was that wow. quick. Wow. And it was one of those cases that I realized it was that time on the water that you just mentioned that was mm -hmm. the difference maker yep. because, and it, it just became second nature. Longer well, you're we, off, harder it gets. We talked a little bit before recording about practice and totally. leave, leaving, you know, a few days if, if you can. And, and I know it's super tough for a lot of guys. Um, I'm very fortunate that my work schedule is through the non-tournament season so that's a huge plus for me but another huge thing is if you can get multiple days of practice before your tournament that i feel that is a night i'm not always i mean you'll see some guys come in the night before sleep in their truck and just wreck them the next day i mean it does happen but kenny from, coming from a, kenny, sleeping at the ramp or yeah, on a corner kenny, somewhere <laughs> yep, yep, absolutely. And he and and you know he'll he'll whack him, man. And, he does. But, he'll he'll top five even after doing it. <laughs> it yeah, and so it, it and it and it works for some guys, but I I just think even not so much as catching fish. Those practice days of just eliminating water, getting yep. familiar with what the lake's doing, that was huge. And I've actually learned a a lot of that from Jason and Paul. Paul Roth and Jason Duong, those guys, I've been, you know, losing money to those guys for a long time, <laughs> but I'll tell you with that same breath, those guys would go out of their way to do anything for anybody. I mean, mm -hmm. and they, you know, I mean, they, they have taught me so much on the traveling side uh, and what to expect and, and practice and how important practice is to get out there and, and not lean on fish. That's that's one thing that you know I I, I guys really, make mistakes. I don't like about having pre a uh, pre fish day the day before the tournament is just guys going out and just leaning on fish and then wondering where they're at the next day. <laughs> um, and I was one of them. I I totally was. I'd go out and I would try to stick every fish I could before a tournament. 
uh, because I didn't know any better. You know, I, I, I just wanted to try to find something, but instead of really breaking down what I needed to be, I was just worried about, Oh, I feel like I can catch a few fish tomorrow. Cause I did good today. And I was going to say, wind up biting me. Don't you think that it, in the early stages, it's a confidence thing when you catch them, you're feeling strong. Now you feeling like you got them, you know, what you don't realize yeah. is you won practice, dude, yep. you're about to get school real hard. What happens the following day when and you try to go back there? That? Yep. There's always the guy that rolls in and like, man, I, I busted 90 inches plus today and it's a <laughs> Friday night and we, we're getting our identifiers and he's stoked. And then by midday, the next day, he's not even on the board. And, uh, and it happens. And so, so no practice, uh, is huge. I mean, it, and, and it, you don't even have to wet a line. I mean, just getting in your yak and, and, and looking at your graphs, seeing what the water's doing, what the clarity is, what the temps are moon phases. I mean, all that stuff, you know, before you even throw your first cast, I mean, and that goes back to, to not having the pressure, uh, you have on tournament day, cause you've already eliminated you know, three points down the lake or, or whatever, you know, I think that's huge. And that was huge for me. The last two seasons is making myself get out and, and get at least two, if not more days of practice before the tournament. And also, you know, even a couple months before the tournament, you know, I'll go out, uh, nice. you know, and look at the lake when the water's down, look for structure, you know, and then, and then, you know, kind of map stuff out uh, before the water comes up. I mean, that, I just like to be as familiar as I can with the lake I'm I'm going to be fishing at for sure. Are you like me though, where in practice goes around and you do smack a really nice fish? You're like, no, it happens. Every, <laughs> it seems like it always happens. Yeah, red, red willow. I had a 19 and a half inch off of a freaking big old stump up there by that, the, where we had the awards. I was oh, actually okay. fishing that arm up there. Yeah, And uh, I didn't fish their tournament day. I went a total opposite direction. I made a big gamble and it did not pay off. <laughs> but but uh, um, yeah, I was in practice. I was coming down there. Yeah, I hit that thing. And dude, when he hit, when he smacked that jig, there was just no denying that we were on. And I remember getting it up going, I don't know whether to cry or just yell right now and get a picture yeah. of this big old beast. You know, it's like, oh. Well, you know, it's, 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 it's cool on one end because we are just fishing. So sure. I mean, if, if you're, if you stick a good fish and, and it's, and yeah, I mean, of course we all want that kit, that big kicker on tournament day, but yes. I mean, if you do stick that good one, you're still just fishing. You you have to be excited, have a little confidence in the fact of, of what it ate and uh, hope yep. that maybe you can find his, her sister, you know, the next day. But no, I think, I think, that happens quite often where, you know, that day before we'll, we'll stick that pig and uh, it, it sticks in the back of your mind a little bit, but just know it's, it's still a good fish and you still got to celebrate it. Dude, yeah. on tournament day, I fished so much wood because of that fish. <laughs> and I, yeah. uh, I found just, you know, all, all dinks, you know, uh, where I, on the side I was on, I needed to get down by that dam down there to, to find better quality. I well, was, I was you, way up. You, you got to think, I mean, you had, you know who was all at that event and who was pre-fishing. I mean, there wasn't a lot of good stuff that wasn't overturned. You know, I, I, <laughs> I, I mean, there, there's a lot of sticks in that group that were, we weren't the only ones that probably, you know, pegged a good fish or two a couple of days before the tournament there. Yeah. And, uh, 
but it's a lake like Red Willow, like going back to what we talked about, a lake like Red Willow is just phenomenal and gives us Colorado guys a chance to really go out and stick good fish. I mean, you don't know for sure what you're going to pull out of that place. I mean, there's monsters in there. Well, and that's, you know, this brings us to the, to the club that, that, uh, where I met you at the, you know, the CKB here, Colorado Kayak Bassmasters, one of two phenomenal clubs. We, uh, everybody that I've interviewed in the past uh, week here, we've all agree that we're very, very grateful and fortunate in the state of Colorado, which let's be honest, is not known for bass fishing. Here we are in this state with two phenomenal clubs that that have their own lanes. You know what I mean? It's their they don't. I mean, one could say that the bass, you know, bass on one side and bat, you know, Colorado kayak bass masters that there's there's a a competition, but not really um, because the 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 way things are run, the way they do things, when they you know uh, they try to you know work with each other on schedules so we don't conflict too many times. I think last year there was only a a couple events that that kind of walked over each other. Yeah, yeah. Um, yep. But other than that, you know, it's it's one of those things that those folks in the Colorado Kayak Bass Masters, you know, we're following bass rules, and we all know what's at stake there. A shot at getting to that classic, dude. Yeah. I mean, that's. And what I found is something Eric Ali pointed out when I interviewed him. The thing about the sea stick, by the way, he is. Yeah. It's been a, he's been a hammer for a long, long time, man. That, that guy can catch him for sure. He said the CKB, the thing about the CKB, everybody that enters that thing has a legitimate shot at winning it. Dude, you are going against straight killers in the CKB. You know, every time you go out, and I echoed the fact that, you know what, being the new guy this year, you guys welcomed me in like I had been here for years, man. It was like you said, Jason, I didn't know Jason from Adam. And I think I started chatting at him, uh, trying to remember where we were. Might have been Trinidad was maybe okay. the first time I met him there. Um, I had seen him, obviously. Dude was, you know, lighting up the the lamp, you know, everywhere. Um but I, I hadn't had a chance to meet him and we just start chatting and it felt like I knew the guy, you know, for, for years. And it's like, Hey, you know, I can tell right now, this dude's a stick. This guy's got tons of, of, of experience out here Absolutely. and he's wickedly friendly. I mean, everybody in this club has been amazing, which is, I told James this when I interviewed him, this is the way, in my opinion, bass, that brand, this is the way those clubs were supposed to be. Uh, created i agree i no, agree no clicks we all we go out to dinner we share information we talk to people i mean like you said when it comes tournament day hey heads going we're down we're going yeah we're going to yeah, business at that we're point going after each other definitely no but definitely. i know i know for a fact if i see you uh are you know need something i know if i'm in trouble i don't ever even worry about that Right. It's like, no, right. these guys, we're we're gonna take care of each other while we're out here, make sure everybody's cool. But yeah, we're looking to take each other's money. That's what we're yeah. here to do. <laughs> and I it, you know, we we have a huge crossover. I think the majority of the the kayak the Colorado kayak bassmaster guys and gals, they'll they all fish CKFC yep. tournaments always too. And I think the only real draw between the two is the fact that uh Colorado kayak bassmasters will travel and don't mind traveling out of state, right. uh, which I think is huge. Now, CKFC likes to keep it, you know, hometown, which is totally cool. And they 
really have gotten some great turnouts over the last few years. I remember fishing some early CKFC events when we were lucky to get, you know, 12, 15 dudes out there, guys and girls out there to, to, to fish. And now, I mean, if we don't have over 40 or more, that's pretty surprising. And that's good to see too. And, and no, I mean, that's a, what a great club. And, uh, I know you're going to have a lot to do next year with those guys, um, being the new, uh, I don't know what the, what, what is the title for that next year for the Roman Warriors Foundation? Oh, so yeah, the Colorado Kayak Fishing Club has selected Roman's Warrior as the, um, the beneficiary of their donation since they and choose a local one each, you know, each year. And how so, cool is that? It is, man. It's, uh, you know, the fact that we are, you know, kayak fishing is right at the heart of what we do. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's uh, along with the can, just anything outdoors, recreational therapy. That's the point. As long as there's an objective in mind and, you know, we've got something that we can, uh, take these, uh, these, these heroes and warriors out first responders, veterans, gold star families. And so, yeah, the fact that they're going to choose, you know, us as that is, is such an awesome, awesome honor. And I, we've, we've, I think I'm getting it to a joking stage now with a few guys. Cause I've been asked, you know, am I going to fish some of those uh, events? And unfortunately I'm just, I'm, you know, I've, I've told Jeremy this last night uh, when I was interviewing him, I am a motor guy. I'm sorry. It's, it's yeah. a propulsion thing. Yeah. Um, I, I just don't, I don't enjoy the pedal aspect. Maybe I would in a different craft, but I'm not going to get in a different craft. I've got yeah. my new canoe unlimited. I'm part of team new canoe now. Right, right. I love, I love the company. I love the team, you know, and you know, it's well, it, your it's, schedule too. I mean, I, you know, with between the all American and we don't know what bass is going to do yet uh, sure. with their schedule. I mean, I would love to see, you know, a handful of us at least try to make one or two of those events this year, Heck uh, yeah, the all, man. along with the all American, hopefully, and uh and then our you know we're going to kansas we're going to nebraska with ckb um it it's a good thing but yeah we're our turn we're stretched we're stretched out there and uh and like i mentioned earlier before i'm always looking for the next new place to go the next new uh uh tournament you know if that i haven't been to a, a body of water i haven't been to I, I love the learning aspect behind that. And I'm looking forward to hopefully doing even more traveling this year uh, coming out of the season. And uh, yeah, I have a, and then I have my fun trips planned too, that I, I try to go. I try to go to Lake Fork every year if I nice. can coming out. That's, that's my little, my little present to myself coming out <laughs> of hunting season is yeah. For the last couple of years, I, and, and, and I'm still looking for that, that, that personal PB to break down there. And, uh, but it's not really about that so much. It's just going down to the place that I fished my first tournament of champions, uh, tournament. I don't know how long ago that was nice. uh, we, a, a crew of us went down there. That was before the KBF or Hobie or any of that stuff got going. We did a, a, a yak for it, I believe is what the tournament was called back then, but it was still using, uh, cameras with, with memory cards. And I, it, it was, it was a wow. while back in, and that's always held a, a special place in my heart for Lake Fork. And uh, I try to get back there every year if I can. Um, and then uh, this year, uh, kind of exciting news. I've been in contact with uh, Brandon Polinick, uh to do a, a day or so with him in Idaho. 
uh, hopefully June or July. We haven't picked uh, the elites don't have a tournament June or July, surprisingly. Uh, so we are, he's going to keep an eye on the water in Idaho. And, uh, the cool thing about my schedule is I can kind of be on standby. And, uh, if he decides it's time to go and I have a tournament that's scheduled during that time, well, that tournament's going to take a, take a back seat this year. Cause there's absolutely there's no way I'm missing out on going up and fishing with BP. And Dude, that's, uh, that's a once in a lifetime. Now. Yeah. That's a once in a lifetime opportunity. You are going to absolutely, I mean, you're the hardest part is going to be don't fanboy out. You know what I mean? I mean, that's, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, what's really cool and comfortable is actually it. We've been talking uh, quite a bit this last week and, and there really hasn't been talking about any fishing. He is a diehard hunter. Awesome. And we have just been talking shop, which is, you know, my comfort zone and, and totally cool. And, uh, uh, to, to talk with, talk more shop with him than anything. So no, I think we're going to have a blast together. Um, he's got that same drive being a wrestler. You know, I'm, I played sports all through high school and stuff. I think that competitiveness is, I, I just like the way he grinds and his mental attitude of, of just pushing and, and trying to be the best. Uh, he's just such a, a cool guy. Yep. And uh, yeah, super looking forward to that for sure. That's awesome. Good stuff. So I want to take a look here real quick. I'm, I've got it up in front of me. Um, we're talking Colorado kayak bass masters. Um, we had one, two, three, four, five events. If memory serves, um, we had our four events and then the state championship. So we started Horsetooth, then Trinidad, Swanson, Red Willow, and Pueblo. And if I've got this right, I'm seeing Horsetooth. It looks like you came in third. Is that right? Yes, yep. sir. And then two second place deals, Trinidad and Swanson. Correct. Red Willow, I'm going to say probably what, fifth or sixth? I think it actually was seventh. Okay. I, if I'm not mistaken, I, I think it was seventh. Yeah, I kind of, uh, I slipped up a little bit on that one. <laughs> and then the state championship um, looked like uh, 10th, 10th or 11th. Yeah, that, uh, that was uh, basically going into Pueblo's state championship. I had to win, I believe, in order for it to have any effect on my points overall. Yeah, because we um, only get judged on the top on three. On the top three. Yeah, that we have. So that's important for folks to understand is that in, in kayak angling, a lot of times um, the tournament levels is that we had five total uh, events, but you get basically pointed on your your best three at that point. Yeah. Yeah. So going into Pueblo, um, not to fast forward through the other finishes, no, that's right. but yeah. uh, uh, Pueblo, I, I, I've won there before. Um, it's a lake that I, I've won at. Um, it's one of my favorite places in Colorado to fish just cause I, you know, I, I, I just like the way it sets up. It, it fits, um, my wheelhouse pretty good. Um, I knew I had to win that tournament in order to help me out in points at all. I had, uh, Jason Duong just breathing down my neck all season, um, <laughs> yep. because he's a stick. I mean, I've always joked that, Jason could catch a fish out of a puddle in a parking lot if you gave him enough time. I mean, yep. that, that dude is just got fishy, fishy instincts like no other. <laughs> um, and I knew that I was not going to, after my start of the year in such a good, good uh, first three uh, tournaments, I knew I couldn't let off the gas. Going into Pueblo, I had to win. 
by early morning, I checked the scoreboard and just see Leslie Ali putting the hammer on all of us. No kidding. I, deci- I decided to abort my plan of uh, <laughs> what I was using. And uh, I tied on a swim bait. I went out to points and I just kind of threw for broke. Uh, I knew I in order swing to for the fence. just swing for the fence. And uh, about three or four casts off my second point, I wind up hooking my best fish of the day. And I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to keep this in my hand and run this the rest of the way. Uh, with an hour left in the tournament, I still hadn't caught another fish. Um, so then I had aborted the swim bait, went back to try to fill my limit and was unfortunate doing that. So, um, I just, uh, I wasn't on the right fish to win that tournament anyways. Um, I knew it was going to be super tough. Um, and, and congrats to Leslie on, I mean, she just put a, a clinic on out there that day and yeah, uh, she she's going to represent us so well. At, at, at the Bassmaster Championship. I'm super excited for her. Um, but yeah, that. Uh, so then to go back to how the season started, um, uh, Horsetooth uh, knew, knew that one was going to be a fun one, but had to stay consistent on the fish that I found in practice. Um, and I was on them. I just, just needed, you know, a little bit more. Uh, Trinidad was the the heartbreak of the year for me as far as uh tournaments go on what i should have had done i had that i felt like i had that tournament one uh was coming back to the ramp feeling like i had that tournament one and uh lo and behold jason with uh, i believe he was under 15 minutes maybe or so left in the tournament <laughs> pulled up and was able to beat me by a quarter inch at trinidad Ouch. well you fast forward to the pueblo championship jason was in second place when the when the stat when the standings had went offline when i seen that i did the math and i knew that if he finished second or higher he was gonna beat me uh for angler of the year and uh i actually had thought on the way back to the ramp that i had i had lost it i thought you know here's my season um i lost i i lost to jason which is totally fine i just he's he's such a, a great dude and uh, one of my closest friends on the water. So I was, it was bittersweet. I was so happy for him, but in turn, I thought I had lost it. Right. And uh, we had gotten to the awards and uh, with some suspense there, um, I was able, when the final standings came out, James Strawbridge had caught a fish within the last 15 minutes to leapfrog Jason, which knocked him down to third and allowed me to secure Angler of the Year by one point. One point. 296 one point. for you, 295 for 295 Jason. for Jason. Now, had oh, Jason man. finished second, it would have went to a tiebreaker f- for both of us over total inches overall for the year. And had that happened, he would have beat me again by a quarter inch. Oh, wow. So we're talking probably going to be tough to see it. Uh, yeah. as close of an AOI chase for Two, us as, as that 227 20, uh, 0.25 for you 227.5 for him on the total wow which goes back to that Trinidad tournament where I had lost that in the last half hour by a quarter inch right um, but what a what a <laughs> what a suspenseful definitely final hour there for sure at Pueblo but super happy to hang on to it and uh, I know it won't last long. I know next year these guys, they're going to be gunning for me. And uh, 
and I know it, it, it's going to be tough to to try to get it again. I know that. Yeah, it's uh, you know you got a stacked field. There's no doubt about it uh, for sure. These uh, the anglers that that come out there and that partake in this thing throughout the you know entire year. How would you describe your fishing style? Are you a power guy? Are you a finesse guy? Are you versatile? What? How would you describe your your style of fishing? A big fat junk pile. <laughs> I would say big fat junk pile. I am the jack of all trades and a master of none uh, by far. I uh, when you see my yak at the end of a tournament, it's you just never know. I, 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 I will try everything and all to try to find something that's off the wall from, from what somebody else is throwing, maybe something the fish haven't seen. Um, I'm a huge JDM tackle guy. Um, I don't even want people to know how much money I spend <laughs> on Japanese tackle. And uh, a lot of that is to thank uh, Paul Roth and Jason and John Marezko and other guys who have turned me on to some to the JDM side of the world, which has uh, gotten a few of my paychecks, no doubt about it. <laughs> um, but no, hundred percent junk fisherman. I'm I, I I don't I don't have any just one certain strength that I I would say I excel at. Um, I will tell you this year was the first year that I had messed around with forward facing sonar. Uh, I, I have uh, Lawrence uh, an HDS live with active target um, and it's still a learning curve, but it's definitely been another weapon um, to, to use. Um, and yep. I look forward to spending as much time on the water with that next season to try to try to get to where it's just second nature, like everything else is. Um, and there, and it, it's fun, but I find myself spending more time than I need to. Yep. Uh, it worries me on tournament days to try to, focus on live target uh because if if i'm if, if i waste a lot of time i feel um, it's like it, if you're like me it feels like like bed fishing almost where you're trying to get him to bite trying to get her to bite trying to get her to bite and she won't and won't right. and won't and won't and it's like you know i need to leave this fish and get on to the next one Absolutely. you because know, i am burning too much time up trying to make something happen that may or may not, not come to fruition happen. Yep. Now it it is an eye opener to realize you know how many fish you actually have around your bait, <laughs> right? Um, but it really, what I love using it for is yeah, finding active fish. I mean that's yep. that's really what it boils down to is finding finding active fish, and then from there start playing. You know, start toying around, seeing what seeing what's going to work. Uh, um, but like I said, I've, I'm not a master on it by any means i i still need to spend a lot of time with it but it was a tool that i did add on this last season that was beneficial and it was super beneficial in a couple late catches in some tournaments uh horse tooth uh um, happened to catch a, a roamer i believe he was in 35 feet um wow. chased chased me up to 20 i was actually trying to get a cell phone signal and was just kind of meandering out in the middle of nothing and happened to look down on my active target and there was one loner that was like 35 feet down. I flipped over to him with a drop shot. He come up like a rocket 15 foot or so got it, got him to the boat and winded up colon like a three inches, I believe, or something wow. in that bag. So, I mean, it was just, it, it just a random, you know, totally yep. random, but I would have never known that fish was there. Exactly. And, uh, so it, it, it's a learning curve, but a fun one. And I don't think it's going anywhere. So no. 
I, this, if you have the means to get it, I would definitely recommend whatever your style is. Hummingbird, Lorance, Garmin. And you just, and you just got to commit, right? I mean, this was our yeah. first season also running live scope. Um, I'm a Garmin guy. And so uh, running the live scope out there, this was my, and I, I learned enough this season to know that I got a lot to learn yep. and that I need to improve my uh, setup on how I, where I position it on the kayak so that I can get to it and, and use it. The last thing I learned is I need to switch on it because I, like you, decided I'm not going to live on this thing. Okay. I'm going to trust my instincts. I'm going to keep looking, using my traditional, using my contours. Mm -hmm. But when I get to a target, something specific I want to look at, I want to be able to kick this thing on and, and, and gain that efficiency. You know, it's like, oh, so I see the point, I see the rock edge there, but there is just no life there. Okay. I'm right. not going to spend too much time here then maybe two, three, four, five, six cast, you know, type deal. And then boom, I'm out of here. Yep. You know, and yep. uh, that's the Using piece. It more efficient. Yeah. 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 Being efficient with it. I mean, cause it is, it, it's awesome to roll up to a brush pile and be like, Oh boy, you know, what's in there messing around. Now I will tell you when I first got it, I think we were down at John Martin uh, reservoir early in the year and I hadn't messed with it too much. And I had dropped it in front of a brush pile and it looked like highways of so many different fish going every which direction. I didn't know what was what, what was a carp, what was a catfish, uh, you know, so it, I didn't even know where to begin. Right. But so like sensory did, overload. Right. So I, I actually, during my fun fishing days would go to bodies of water where the, I would eliminate a lot of the, the other fish out of there. So I could, start learning okay i'd hit a you know small mouth um that's a that's trout or those are some walleye yeah um it that helped out quite a bit but i'm uh, still not 100 percent confident in running it through a whole tournament day um, right. but yeah by all means i mean it, it can teach you a lot about what the fish are doing for sure exactly you know and that's like you, you said it best man it's a tool um folks that you know the that that goofiness about um banning you know this kind of stuff from it that's just it's ridiculous you know it's tech notching your way through something like that it's not a not a way to fix this stuff the same you know when everybody was running flashers and the first traditional sonar <laughs> came out someone probably was like what is that you yeah, know absolutely. well it's back like, to like kbd with 2d i mean he dominated the game with 2d for a long time yep. but you see the 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 forward facing sonar those same guys that are dominating that I feel right now with it are the same guys that were dominating without it. I mean, those guys are going to catch them one way or the other. Yep. Um, it, it, so to say, you know, you want it to go away. It's not going away. I mean, it's, no. it, it, you got to adapt just like um, if you weren't throwing a chatterbait a few years ago, you, I bet you're throwing one now. Yeah, because, you know, <laughs> exactly. I mean, seen how much, how many checks have been cashed, with that, with the chatterbait now, and and uh, it, it, you have to be able to adapt. And the, the bummer is, is the the price. You know, it can get expensive for a lot of guys, and it's hard to pull the trigger on a, you know, on on that when you have other stuff. And I, I get that, but if you're serious about this game, I definitely think you're missing out if you don't have it. And uh, you, you're going to have guys going right around you um, catching fish. You never know we're there. My my reasoning when I was in the bass boat world was, listen, you can either complain about it or you can go ahead and go out there and get your butt kicked by it. Which way do you want to go? 
Yep. You know, it's you, you, you need to just, I mean, I, for all those years that I was in a bass boat, man, running around the country, um, never had life scope. It just, it, uh, I'm not an offshore guy. So, you know, I'm more target driven, you know, and what, what, where my approach was. Um, and, you know, I got my butt handed to me and some of these fisheries where if you're not getting offshore, man, you're coming in with the walk of, you know, shame with a real dinky little bag, you know, Absolutely. to the scales where these guys are bringing in footballs, you know, that they were <laughs> peeling out of 25 foot of water or whatever. Right, right. And, and so I, after- I'm the same way. I, I was a shallow water guy because I, I felt like I always have to have something visual to throw at, uh, uh, you know, when I, so I'm buzzing, buzzing the shore, you know, buzzing the shore, looking for stuff, uh, whether it's submerged or not, getting live, uh, active target forward facing sonar. I find myself drifting farther out into no man's land because I'm seeing what's going on in live time below me. Yep. And it's, it's like, oh, wow. I hear about guys catching these fish out here deep. Now I can see these fish out here deep. Now I need to teach myself how to catch these fish out deep. And, and, yep. and what's going to work for me, you know, uh, uh, I'm a firm believer to not chase other people's bites. Um, right. I did that starting out oh this guy threw this yesterday so i'm gonna throw it today and hope what happens no i i that has never worked for me um i like to just figure out my own way and i've i've lost a lot because of should be good there had a little sorry about that folks had a little bit of our our, of course technical uh loveliness computers yay (laughs) (laughs) no man that's uh that's you know, and that's that's the whole thing, right? Is as you advance through, I think the days, you know, if you go back in bass fishing, um, I love the lore, the history of our sport. I love where it come from, and it's kind of cool when you like when you see when someone says Denny Brower, the first thing that ought to lock in your head if you know our sport is pitching and flipping. Absolutely, you know, it's yep. not smallmouth drop shotting. No. Now, when, now, when you hear Brandon Polinick, you think drop shot. This yep. guy is going to, you know, find Davy Jones locker on a drop shot and, and throw it. Yeah, exactly. And throw it in the boat, you know, in, but the days of, you know, that specialty angler, you know, being able to dominate a field, Brandon, you know, is when you, when you think of him and you hear that drop shot, don't you ever try to sleep on this dude's shallow water skills. Cause he'll, I mean, angler of the year recently here proves this yeah. dude can do anything out there. Jacob yep. Wheeler, arguably Wheeler, one of the best, thing. you know, best anglers in the world right now. This guy, I watched him personally, um, uh, go into the into the Mississippi River there. I I marshaled an event there and watch this oh, guy cool. throw a frog, catching fish where twenty five other guys were trying to throw frogs and no one was catching them. He's catching them, you know, He's in these areas. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's like he his instincts are like he knows when to quit a certain thing and move to another. But yep. the point is versatile angler. I mean, that's you've got to add and have these tools in your you know uh in your arsenal if you want to compete across because it's one thing to fish the same bodies of water you know what i mean if you have a home lake and you fish that and that's all you fish 
But when you do have desires to fish against uh, other anglers across the country, new bodies of water, dude, if you want to make these trips worthwhile, you're spending your money on, then yeah, you need to be oh, um, very 100%. versatile. Yeah. 100%. To, to I mean, you want to get humbled real quick is, you know, fish your home body of water out here and just wreck them and then go enter you a tournament in Texas or go enter you a tournament in Alabama or Tennessee, and you're going to get humbled real quick by those anglers out there. Why? Because those guys are fishing year round. Uh, they, a lot of them have come from the boat side or have fished out of a boat their whole life. Yeah. And you just are stacked against such a, a huge field of hammers that have been literally chasing bass their whole life. It's second nature to them. They're familiar with those bodies of water or how they fish. Um, we don't have a cypress tree that I know of here in Colorado. <laughs> anywhere. And uh, I'll tell you what, your first time fishing around them, it's, it's, it's unique. It's, it's different. Uh, yep. Fishing the swamps of Louisiana or going down to places like Lake Fork or uh, with all the submerged trees. I mean, I don't know how many times I bent my pedals or, or lodged myself up onto trees down at Lake Fork simply because I didn't know where to go. I just was trying to go fish and, you know, just hoping that my, my abilities from fishing in Colorado would pan out down there. Well, they didn't. I mean, I have learned a lot of lessons fishing Texas, Louisiana, where I have been outmatched by fish. I've, I've had giants broke off. I personally, and I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this, but I personally watched Kenny Hood lose what we feel was as close to a double-digit bass that we had seen in person wow. uh, on a lake, in, a lake outside of Shreveport during the national championship. And I think we can still hear the echo of that yell going <laughs> down the valley. I mean, I felt so bad for him. That fish went airborne, spit the jig out. It was definitely in person for me, the biggest bass I had seen someone ever hook. Wow. And uh, it just, it, it just, uh, you have to be ready for a different game when you leave out of state and, uh, and you're going to get humbled if you, if you don't have versatility and something to fall back on when you're, when, when stuff isn't working, uh, you can't give up. You, you have to try to figure it out. And that's where I took my lumps. I, I mean, not just in Colorado, but even traveling to, to the out-of-state tournaments and just getting whooped and finishing in the hundreds or wherever and, sure. and taking that long drive home. Uh, I don't like that feeling and don't want that feeling anymore. Uh, so you have to step your game up, no doubt about it. One way or the other, you, you need to step it up. Well, and it's with when you add in, I mean, this this range through in the bass boat side of things, but it's even more amplified on the kayak side, which is it's not even just the fish of the other areas, it's the bodies of water. Oh, when yeah. you when you get on a body of water like table rock, <laughs> yeah. there's nothing in this state or surrounding states that comes close to this. If you're a fan of bass fishing, then you've got to add that in because you realize you're actually fishing on, you know, if they made a Mount Rushmore of, of bass fishing, Table Rock's going to be in the discussion. I mean, more Absolutely. champions have been crowned out of that oh, wow. water. Beautiful and it's, it's, it's a tough fishery, man. It's, it, yeah. it's not a just throw a jig overboard and bang your hooking on something. <laughs> you got to work for right. those. But man, the reward is there. And when you take in the sheer size of some of these bodies of water, um, 
I went to a national championship at Old Hickory. Oh, I yeah. literally in Tennessee. I yeah. literally from the launch ran forty miles one way. Oh wow! To go yeah, find crazy. grass. That's what I was looking for, <laughs> and I okay. would just kept going up this, you know, the the river, the Tennessee River there, until I found what I was looking for. And yeah. it was literally 40 miles when I mapped it out and realized, well, that's why my gas tank looks the way it looks oh, yeah. now. Isn't that something? I mean, it's 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 so overwhelming to yeah. uh, TVA lakes or, you know, um, uh, like you said, Table Rock, for instance. I mean, just yep. a Grand Lake. I mean, where you you couldn't see the other side of the shore with a spotting scope. I mean, it, it, it's miles and miles across. And here you are in this little plastic boat. Yep. Trying to break down water, and uh, you know the hammers that are in these bodies, they know they know what to do. You're coming out of state; it can be overwhelming, and it has been overwhelming. There's been yep. times when you're like, I don't even know where to start. I don't even know where to begin. It all looks the same to me. It's like so, take a take know. a dart to the dartboard, and okay, exactly. we're going to that arm right there. We're going right. to rip it apart, see what we can find. Well, that just goes back to a ton of study at home back here, too. I mean, uh, uh, Google Earth and and maps and and videos and try to go back as far as you can see um, that and just learn as much as you can before you get there. Because once you're there and you're on the ground and the boots are on the ground, per se, it's a whole nother ballgame. And you want to be as comfortable as possible, for sure. Totally, totally. That in the kayak game, for sure, the the leading up to tournament the study portion again it's important in the bass boat world but i think it's even more amplified with us on the kayak side because of the fact that we can't run 40 miles to find grass i need to find the ramp that's closest to that grass (laughs) so that i can make a run to it you know and get up there on it well you see a lot of the the controversy right now with the last two major tournaments that have gone on have been you know, gray areas around the, the boundary lines. Yep. And, uh, and that's, you know, guys, you know, want to get on other guys about fishing areas that they feel is questionable. However, I guarantee those guys that are getting questioned and you look, these are, these are absolute hammers in our sport. I guarantee that they do as much, if not more map study, um, yep. you know, finding stuff out, than the majority of the field they're fishing against. I mean, the guys that are the, the, you know, Russ Snyder's, I mean, I watched the the video he put out from last week there and the dude is it. it yes. He did pre-fish quite a bit, but he, he found stuff that nobody had found. Yep. And, and that's the name of the game. And, you know, if it means you study your, your butt off to, to find that, that, you know, 500 yard stretch of, of gold, um, you got to do it because if not, somebody else is going to find it. There's not a lot of secret spots fishing in Colorado. There's definitely not hardly (laughs) any secrets anymore. I mean, there, we all have hit the same spots numerous times at our lakes here, but when you're going to those huge bodies of water, you want to try to do as much as studying as you can. And you're seeing it with these guys. And yeah, I mean, I think some rules can get tightened up as far as public launches and, and what you can get out of your kayak and pull over. And I was going to say, I, I think at the very least, I know, I know at least one of the events I was at one of the events you're speaking about. Um, and at the very least, I think we'll see a revamping and some more clarity put to some of the rule sets, you know, that, uh, right. 
that to make sure that we're you know falling in line with the spirit of the rules you know what i mean right. uh, and so yeah hopefully but if you look at these guys these guys catch them they catch yep. them wherever they go and they, yeah. and they dominate i mean they 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 know how to catch them and because they happen to find some decent areas that other people haven't find that's there's no reason to dog on that i mean that's yep. if anything you should try to try to not emulate but maybe kind of see what they do and what you can do in your own game that kind Learn of from it. that same thing yeah and i'm not saying like try to read the rules and find the gray area i just think it goes more back to finding something out of the box uh, I was whether say, that be a the principle a of it yeah yeah awesome yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, that's, you know, at the end of the day, that's uh, that's that whole piece of the competitive side, trying to get stronger, trying to get better out there. Dude, you uh, you and Jason, you guys battled down to the very end there that through the CKB, uh, our fearless uh, tournament director came in a, a close third. Uh, he and Clay Roberts tied at 292, actually, on the points. And you look at that, I mean, all the way back to 10th place, 281, 296. I mean, that's a relatively tight field out there. Yeah. Um, I mean, and these are these are just you know, uh, Eric, Matt, Caleb, uh, Kenny, you know the the Roberts clan, Sandy, uh, Tim uh, Van Sickler, Mister. I now own a new Hobie from uh, yeah, from the yeah. the deal. Congrats that was a cool deal. That's that's awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm curious to see you know if he's. I don't know if if it's uh, if if is he a Hobie guy? I, I don't know. Sure what, I don't know. It would be cool to, to see what, it, you know, what he gets with that. Yeah. That was such an awesome prize. Um, yeah. I mean, it's a heck, of, heck of a boat, right? Yeah. Heck of a boat. So, you know, and on the sponsor piece there and, and speaking of those out there, you don't have a lot you, know, you choose to kind of keep yourself thin down, but one major one that, uh, that, that you're part of, you're very proud of, and, and as you should be, cause this is a, a pretty elite uh, group to be a part of is alpha angler. That's a big one. Uh, yeah. Alpha, how long have you been with those guys? Uh, I want to say, I think I'm going on my fourth season with those guys. Um, super cool company. Uh, Jake Boomer's the president. And uh, he, I want to say the year, uh, uh, the year of Brand Brandon Polinick's first AOI uh, is when I actually learned about Alpha. They were really small at the, and they still continue to be, you know, they're, fairly small in the rod market sure. um, was my first time kind of learning, you know, what, what's alpha angler, you know, they, you know, let me, let me order one of these rods and just see what they're all about. Because I've, you know, from Phoenix, St. Croix, mega bass, you know, I, I had such a gamut of different rods, Shimano. Um, I had so much different stuff. I, it was more of a hodgepodge. Let me get one and try them out. Right. And it changed my fishing literally overnight. I had ordered uh, one of their famous spinning rods called the wrench. Right. Got it in. Uh, immediately just felt it like an, an extension of my arm. I, I just, I could, I don't know. Wow. I, I couldn't explain it at first. Now I know <laughs> what it is. It's the components. It's the way they're built. It's the way they fit my style of fishing. Right. Um, the actions The I mean, the list goes on. They are just phenomenal products, but going back to that one rod, it just opened the door. So before I ever was on with Alpha, I wanted to essentially buy the whole lineup of rods. Wow. Which I did. I, I basically, outside of two that came on after the fact, I purchased 
every one of my rods from Alpha first before I ever had asked to, to join the team. Right. After getting all of those and realizing how they have changed my fishing, I felt so passionate about this company that I then approached Jake Boomer and his father-in-law, who's the general manager, and uh, and you know said, "Hey, let I love nothing more to jump on and and help you guys, you know, represent this team the best of my abilities." And they opened their arms and brought me right in. That's and, awesome. Uh, and and I couldn't ask for for a better company to stand behind as far as rods for me. They have gone out of their way to do so much for me. And uh, I hope to continue to stay with these guys through my whole fishing career. I mean, they it, okay. pretty much anything that I need, they are custom, they custom build to your, you know, what you'd like to do, but they don't sell retail, which I also like. Um, they keep it in house. They're not a big box store company. They, uh, they're, they stay relatively small and you stay direct with the company. If you have issues, you talk to the Prez. If you, you know, if you need something fixed, they fix it right away. That's um, awesome. Stellar, phenomenal company. And uh, yeah. And uh, so I've been with those guys for a few years. Uh, my longest running sponsor, however, is a guy that I hold very dear to my heart who brought me on when I hadn't even proved anything yet. <laughs> and that's Flint Pierce with Battle Bates out of Branson, Missouri now. So he's a table nice. rock guy. Uh, he actually moved from the West Coast, uh, Pacific Northwest, uh, a, a few years ago, I believe two seasons now, uh, to Branson. And uh, Flint has just been nothing but a huge support system for me from day one. Um, helped me in designing different, you know, I've, I've helped with designing different baits with him, uh, making custom stuff for me on the fly when I need it. Um, I've also turned a lot of guys here in Colorado who have seen some of the stuff I've thrown um, and caught and won and, and been successful with. And uh, I've seen a lot of guys here in Colorado uh, do some ordering of battle stuff. Uh, Cody Henley in Utah, I think he's a he gets quite a bit from battle. Um, nice. Just an excellent guy. Um, and he he covers from hand tied spinner baits, jigs. Um, one of my favorite is the drop dead Ned that he offers, which is a skirted Ned rig, basically. Nice. Um, but uh, I won't give all the juice on. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no, no, that there there's some tweaks and some twists and stuff that that I've been able to do with some of his baits that have been very successful for me. And uh, so he's he's been awesome. Um, and yeah, those are my two, I would say major companies I work with very small, um, super cool guys. They treat me like family. Um, I try to, you know, do what I can on the, I'm not a huge promoter of products. I just try to show it with my fishing, you know, yep. I mean, I was successful today. I, I, I nailed, you know, some great small mouse today. Um, I couldn't have done it with, you know, without my rods and stuff. I, I feel sure. like. It's it's just propelled, you know, propelled my my fishing to a whole nother level that I felt I would never I could never reach. You know, a few years ago, um, I was just, you know, I would get de dejected. You know, I, I would fish another tournament and get my, you know, get whooped on by the same guys that, you know, whooped on me two tournaments ago or whatnot. But uh, it was just another extension of uh, with these guys of, of kind of helping keep that competitive and then pursuing that. uh that uh winning attitude of trying to get out and, and, and get these tournaments, you know, won and stuff. So uh, super cool on those guys. And then 
uh, one guy that I love working with is my brother-in-law, and that's uh, Rhino Originals. He's a taxidermist uh, who also does fish replicas. Uh, matter of fact, um, Alex Rojas has, I believe he's going to be getting a largemouth back that he caught down at Lake Fork this past spring. I believe he's getting that back within a week or so. Um, so another member that's that's kind of I've, I've reached out to on getting some stuff done. Um, second to none on his replica mounts. Now, um, he also is. Did he do the uh, one behind you there? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a one from Colorado here. And then I got about seven or eight, you know, good bass that, uh, he's done walleyes, whatnot, but they're replica mounts, which is really cool. So you get your fish caught, you get some good pictures, you get your measurements, you send them off to Rhino, he'll order you a form, start building your fish. And then that fish is still swimming. You know, I mean, I, I'm a firm believer on catch and release, um, especially for bass. Now I've, you trout out here walleye any of that stuff that doesn't bother me at all i i just don't like seeing five bass on a stringer i mean i know it needs to happen for management and stuff like that it's just you won't ever see me doing it right exactly yeah you know and that's that you know that's a a whole different can of worms there for sure right so but that's awesome man you know and that's when it comes when you find equipment that you trust in the equipment, you believe in the equipment, and then you have that that satisfactory piece inside your head, knowing that you got a company that's got you backed. Man, that I mean, for for me, I you know the, the All Terrain Tackle is that company. I've been that's my longest running. I think I've been with awesome. them for like six, seven years. Um, I know that group over there. Um, uh, Matt Johnson, who runs the pro staffing piece there. These, these are like old friends now, you know, at this point, we've been with them for so long and I never, I never worry if there's an issue, you know, and that, that goes so, so far, the confidence, the, the trust factor, you know, that's, that's a huge, huge deal. Absolutely. You run out of a Hobie. Is that, that is correct, right? Is it? Yeah, I'm, in a, PA? I'm in a PA 360. Um, nice. I, <laughs> Don't get me too started on the, the 360. <laughs> I will tell you, you know, I'm not a Hobie elitist by any means. It's just the kayak that I started with and I've I've continued to fish out of. I was so sure. pumped to get this Hobie 360 when it dropped. I was the first shipment. Uh, me, I believe Mitch Salzman and Kenton Lemon, uh, two other great dudes um do anything for you kind of guys um that i think we all were in that first shipment of hobie 360s to get delivered to colorado well mine came in november and i got to stare at it for four five months in the garage (laughs) every day when i come home from work and it would just sit there and uh and i couldn't wait to take it out i take it out my first trip with that 360 I was down at Lake Fork. I'm fishing, a, I think, the a Hobie BOS event. And I'm not too far from Alex Rojas up in Glade. And I kick a fin off uh, my first uh, first time out in the boat. I, I lose oh. a fin. And if anybody has ever lost a fin on their pedals with a Hobie, I mean, you, you're pretty much pedaling like a drunk driver. I mean, you're you're it's it's just wobbling and it's a pain. I mean, what fortunate I was able to make it back to the ramp. That was the first trip I had taken with the 360. Not too long after that, when we're fishing a tournament back here in Colorado, um, I had the bearings fall out of my pedals, and and I had some steering issues, some clutch issues, issues that were all derived from it being the new boat on the market. I mean, they right. had some bugs they had to work out. It was just unfortunate for me because I had lost a lot of trust 
in my Hobie because of it. Um, Fast forward another year, I was down at Lake Fork again with a good buddy of ours, uh, Roger College. And we were about three, I think about three miles from the ramp when my pedals, second pair of pedals now under warranty had broke. And had he not been with me, I still might be out there in Lake Fork because yeah, he he fortunately towed me back to the ramp and uh I had I've had three warranty claims on my Hobie so I'm not throwing a a you know a flag a Hobie flag up here because I actually have not been super impressed with the 360 yeah um and it's made me fish a little different as far as how I use the 360 um, because the trust has been broken there. So, I've actually heard of guys that had those issues, literally pull it out, and put a 180 back in there because they believed it was just more, more solid. It's, you know, unfortunately, sometimes when companies try to be first to market and they get super excited, maybe they, you know, the R and D just didn't go the way it should have gone. And, right, you know, but, right. uh, my understanding is, you know, there's obviously Hobie standing behind their product. They're, they're trying oh, yeah. to get the replacement, oh, but yeah like you and I both know it's cool that they'll support it. Cool that they'll replace it. But really dude, that can't fix, you know, the fact that I'm three miles away and it just grenaded on me. Exactly. You know, that's, yeah. and uh, if you ever tried to, to paddle a Hobie a PA 14 around, you better have arms like Popeye. Cause yeah, yeah, it's, it's a tough one. And it's uh, a barge, so man. It's a barge. Um, so no, I, I love the, the boat itself. It's a beast. It, it's, it's, it yeah it helped me you know helps me fish you know the way the electronics are set up everything on that boat is great except for i'm always wondering about those pedals you know well, and is we this just be the last trip yeah. and we just talked about it it's the confidence factor if you don't have that confidence piece man the last yeah. thing you want to be fo- you know think focused on or thinking about when you're out trying to you know, beat Jason by a quarter inch. The last thing you want to be thinking about is your boat pedals. You know, that's just can't be on your mind. You have to be able to put that out and, and go do what you got to go do. So, so I, I've kind of been on the fence a little bit. Um, I'm probably going to be looking towards getting into a new kayak going into next season. Um, I'm due. I've, I've had this one a few years now. Um, so, but I don't know what route I'm going to take. I mean, right. there, there, you know, I have a lot of friends that fish out of natives. I have, you know, a lot of, I mean, new canoe. I mean, there, there's a lot of guys that, that fish out of other ones that, you know, I don't mind taking a look at either. I'm, like I said, I'm not just direct, you know, solely on Hobie and that's it. Sure. Um, because there's a lot of good boats out there. Um, and I just heard like natives warranty is five years on, on their products where Hobie's only three. Yep. Well, to make an investment on a $5,000 kayak every couple, you know, three years, that's a lot of money to be throwing down. Um, having that two extra years there, that can be huge, you know, especially when we're on the water as much as we are, um, you know, traveling. I mean, stuff can happen. And uh, the last thing we want to worry about is if our yaks are going to break down on yeah. us out there. Yeah. No, you, you can't have that for sure. You know, and I can tell you from, uh, from a, a business standpoint for the year 2023, moving forward um, as part of team new canoe, new canoe is really going to make a concerted heavy effort push in the propulsion game. Um, We're going to try to really assert ourselves, you know, as um, if you're thinking of a, a kayak with a motor of some sort, we want, 
you know, absolutely to have our name come up in the conversation because, you know, we, we get it, you know, the, the, the Hobie pedal drive system hands down is, you know, still, even with its slew of issues, nothing can beat that hull and pedal design. I mean, I personally have been running with my motor full throttle and watched a Hobie against the current of the river <laughs> pull away from me. Go by it. You know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And dude was like sipping his coffee, talking to me on his way by, you know, and I'm like, wow. <laughs> so we all know that. And so why, why try to, you know, uh, compete against, you know, one of those areas, sure. I will say that, you know, the area where, you know, new canoe can start to is, is the fact that out of this one craft, you can paddle it, you can pedal it with our pivot drive system, or you can throw a gas or an electric motor and you can throw it on the front, throw it on the back. I really, you know, work it out. So I know that's, that's definitely going there. And, and like you said, native native has been doing a lot of work. Um, I've heard rumor that they're going to uh, possibly unleash that Titan 13, five again oh, sweet. Um, and allow that oh, thing sweet, coming Rick. back out. Dude, that thing is a, just an absolute battleship. Yeah. Um, yep. You know, it's like one of the only kayaks on the market that the internal area is actually has a resin coating in it oh wow yeah oh, and that's what okay. gives it that extra rigidity on the inside of that oh, thing super cool and that's only on the 13 uh five i think five. is what wow. yeah but they What's stopped they stopped there? production of it a while back by understanding and again i don't have this to be 100 true but just the it's from pretty solid source that was talking to me about it um but yeah it looks like they're opening back up to to start bringing that thing back out again awesome. so Lot and, of cool and stuff. you bring a new canoe to the light for us here in Colorado. Um, I personally had heard, I've heard of new canoe, but sure. hadn't really looked into any of their stuff until I was, we were down at fishing a KBF event at OHIV in Texas a few years back. And I had won a new canoe hat. And I think, uh, yeah, there well, you bam, go. Well, bam, buddy. Right on, buddy. <laughs> so that, that hat is from o an OHIV event, a KBF event, and I was like, oh, new canoe, not for sure what they're about. wasn't until I talked to you and kind of got to see your your yak and stuff where um, I, you were huge to bringing that light to Colorado. I, I wasn't aware of anybody who fished out of one. Yep. Um, if they did, I'm sorry if I'm forgetting it, but I wasn't aware of it, and to have that platform that you brought on to open people's eyes to not necessarily having to jump into a Hobie out right. of the gates or not have to yeah. jump into a native. Um, you're catching uh, an audience for both right there. And uh, that's, well, and it's, so you know, it, it's a company that's, you know, hunting, fishing, that's at the root of it. It is a, a, like you said, it's a small company. We're not massive. All the, you know, basically the kayaks are built out of Wisconsin, you know, type thing. So, awesome. um, you know, that's it's, cool. It's uh, they definitely have their area, you know, every, like you said, you and I both have talked about this. There, there are so many good boats, so much good equipment out there. It's such a personal thing, you know, what right. you are looking what for. What feels good to you. Right. So, mm -hmm. but yeah, absolutely. Next year, dude, we should actually set up a time where we'll, uh, we'll go hit one of these and I'll, I'll, we'll rig out one of the unlimiteds and let you take it out and we'll absolutely go man. beat yeah, out a, be, a little local lake and then give you a firsthand chance to at least see it up, up close and personal. Well, I actually, so. uh, uh, on the Hobie talk um, this season, I actually got my better half, Amy, she, uh, got her a Lynx this nice. year, a Hobie Lynx with, and it has the, it goes back to having that 180 drive. 
And the thing is, is it's just phenomenal. You know, I mean, that, nice. that drive is just cool. But I don't think she's going to let me mess around on that one too much. That that <laughs> kayak's really cool. It's it's 47 pounds unrigged. Wow. I can throw it on a rack. Um, I basically can slide my PA into the back of my Tundra and then put, put hers up on top and we can just motor around. She absolutely loves that Lynx. That's um, cool. And it kind of gives you the best of both worlds. It's it you you can use it kind of as a paddle board. You can kind of use it just as a, a paddle yak. You can use it with with your pedals. Um, so going back to what you said, I, I it, it opened my eyes up even more, even with that links to start looking at other options here. Yeah, uh, yep. you know, I, uh, what uh, lighter stuff to where if we go to certain bodies of water, I don't have to take this hundred and fifty pound rig you know, beast out every time I can get something lighter with a little motor in the back. And, you know, I could, I could, I can get comfortable using that on, on smaller waters or tighter waters or if we have to travel, you know, to where there's a lot of trees and, and Cypress or anything like that. So Dude, I've, 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 I've thought about that so much myself. We have an F 10 uh, in our lineup in new canoe. That's 10 and a half, 10 foot range, still 39 inches wide, still oh, wide wow. little platform, Cool. You know, and I've thought about that. I'm like, dude, that would fit in the back of my truck. So it's like 60 pounds soaking wet, you know, so cool. slide that thing in there compared to the trailering of my, of my, yeah. uh, my uh, barge that I have out there, you know, in, in the unlimited, she's, it's lighter than the Hobie for sure, but it's also, it's, it doesn't have the high side walls like your Hobie does. Yeah. You know, it's a, yeah. it's more, looks kind of like a canoe in a way, you know, with its cool. shorter down, but yeah, no, that's, I get you there, man. And finding that, that mobility factor holds a lot of value after you've spent some time hauling these monsters around that we have. It's like, you know, for some of these smaller events, or if I just want to go fun fishing or something, you know, I don't want to have to totally rig out the, the battleship, you know, and take right. it. it well, you've the, seen that, is that the, it, you know, like with Drew Gregory, I mean, I don't <laughs> think you could have got in or even tried to get into some of the water he got into with the Hobie. I mean, he, he had to maneuver his way in there. And and if we get into tournaments where we're traveling and we're going to have to go up creeks, you know, 10, 12 miles, uh, we, you, you're not going to do it so often with a, with a PA 14, <laughs> you know, I mean, yep. you, you're going to want to get something smaller, more maneuverable. I mean, even Rust, you know, with his skinny boat and, and had his motor for the national championship last week. I mean, you see what he's motoring through and that stuff I'm looking at, like, I'm like, I'm not so sure where the current and as wide as that Hobie is, if I could even try to fish competitively in those same places he is and he's right. making it look flawless in that little boat. So yep. yeah, it, there's a, there's a definite, the more tournaments we see and, and, you know, hopefully more waters that open up, you're going to see, I think guys who might have both might have, you know, uh, uh, a big Hobie for a smallmouth event where, you know, you're on a big body of water, or you might choke down and get your, your new canoe or like that 10 footer and run up a Creek and, and, and do awesome up there. So yep, I think I, we'll see that more often. Yeah. I with, agree. Especially I... with the, the, the real competitive guys where, where they're, you know, using multiple yaks for multiple events. I think that'll be common for sure. And I think when we start also venturing off of the, um, you know, beat up lakes that all the bass boats go to, when we finally start, you know, stretching our wings, showing 
the advantage of the kayak side where we can go to some phenomenal fisheries that you probably haven't heard of yet. And we can show you just how awesome these places are that couldn't hold a field of 200 boats. Right. It, it can right. put a field of 80 to a hundred kayaks out there because we can maneuver through this stuff, you know, we can get around. And so, yeah, I agree with you 100%. I've often thought of it that having one, one yak, you know, loaded up this way and another one this way. And I'm down on my trailer since I have a, a dual, uh, dual carry and, and running out with that going, yeah, I could see that, you know, even one for practice, one for tournament day, whatever, you know, whatever you need, but being able to get into different areas, different applications. Well, if we, uh, if especially as serious as we, we are, I mean, when we are planning our trips months in advance and we get to go time and say you, you know, if you're in a Hobie and you bust your pedals and they tell you it's two weeks till you get another set or, or who knows with shipping or, or parts or any of that stuff, having at least another option. Yep. You know, I mean, having, I, so, I mean, it's already kind of the thing where it, it probably wouldn't hurt if you have the means, it, you know, if you have the space to, to get you a second boat, uh, maybe not as hardcore as your main boat, but at least something that won't keep you from at least hitting the tournament, you know, if, if something was to happen. And uh, that's something I'm going to be looking towards next, next season too, is, uh, uh, probably going with a new main kayak. Cause you know, I've had mine for a few years now, but also keeping in the back of my mind, something that I can have that on a drop of a hat, if something happens, uh, as much, I don't want to have to miss a tournament because you know, my boats broke down or, or whatnot. I, I still want to at least try to give it a chance. And uh, like you said, that little 10 footer, that new canoe or something like that would be, just be perfect to at least give you an option to get out in the water and not yeah. have to, you know, if you have angler of the year on the line with, <laughs> with, with, by one point and your tournament's on the line and something happens, you don't want to be not able to give it a chance because your, your, your drive's broke or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's before the days of tons of service uh, tents at some of these major events, it <laughs> was not uncommon to find elites out there literally in like one of the rod lockers, a, a, an entire uh, spare trolling motor oh, absolutely. stuffed right in the boat. So yeah. in case something happened to this one and it grenaded out or whatever, these guys are literally they're they're finding a p quick piece of shore they can get to and they're swapping trolling swapping motors out, out middle right. of the of the event no different than swapping out props you know right. i mean those those yep. props cost more than you know uh, half the time you know the the any of the <laughs> pedal drive systems we have <laughs> right you know and right. so it's you got to have these extra components and parts around it so it's as our sport evolves gets more teeth gets that identity i agree 100% with you man i think it's you're going to start seeing a lot of a lot of these things flexing around here and and people uh you know looking for that next advantage that that comfort zone yeah, anything to keep you on the water. I mean, that's the main thing is none of us want that FOMO during a tournament. You know, I mean, we, <laughs> exactly. You, you, all the boys are out there wrecking them. And uh, and uh, I actually had a tournament up at Boyd a few years ago um, where uh, we had all launched and I had broke my pedals right at launch. And everybody's, you know, they're doing it was a shotgun start from the same ramp and everybody's going every which way and just to show you how how guys are around here uh he's no longer with us anymore and we wish him the best out in tennessee with his new endeavor but ron ronald southward um, he 
actually stopped his tournament pedaling to his spot to come over to check on me right at launch to say, hey, man, I seen you. You broke your pedals. Um, is there anything I can do to help out? And, uh, you know, do, do you need another paddle? You know, what do you need? I mean, this guy literally, I, I don't know where he was in standings or anything, but he's a stick. He always is. He, he's very competitive. But just to stop and even ask, and, you know, I'm flipping out because I'm like, is my day done? You know, <laughs> I mean, what's going to happen? And uh, just even him coming over and talking to me, making sure everything was cool, it calmed me down enough to still go out and finish it, even with broken pedals still finish and have a, a decent tournament that's awesome but that feeling i don't want anymore you know i don't like having that feeling of of limping along through a tournament and and because you i just don't feel like you're ever fishing up to your abilities when that's in the back of your mind so with that being said from here on you know out i've always thought you know i you know should i get an extra boat uh before the 360 i did have two sets of, of 180 drives for my old Hobie. Um, just always keeping that peace of mind yep. that that's the last thing I want to worry about is, is my boat out there. I need to worry about making sure this fish hits the net. Well, and, and for those that are unaware that uh, maybe from coming from the boater's side uh, that are watching or listening to the podcast, losing, you know, the, the 180 drive or the 360 drive is the equivalent to losing your trolling motor. I mean, yeah. literally actually losing your, your big motor and all honesty for a lot of these yaks, cause that's their only power source. It's mm -hmm. not just the big motor. It's also the one they use for maneuvering, you know, inside. So yeah, dude, I've, I've had trolling motor issues in the middle of a tournament and had to figure out a way, you know, to, um, go bargain and, and parlay myself a right. new prop because I had, <laughs> I had literally shred all of the, uh, the, the blades off of it at uh, Prairie Duchesne on the Mississippi oh, River. I had a, found a shoal bed and just turned the 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 trolling motor the wrong way right into oh, them buddy. and just tore the whole thing. Had a slightly warped uh, prop shaft on there, but an, I was able to get an, another prop on it, paid oh, a heavy good. price because it was after hours, and I got a, a company that was willing to come back down and open the door and, and sell it to me. Oh, and it still had a wobble the rest of the time, you know, <laughs> that I was out there, but it's like, you know what? It's better than not having one. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, that's, that's a horrible, horrible feeling. If you, if you lose your propulsion like that, for sure. So it's just like losing that, that last crankbait too. I mean, if you, <laughs> if you, look, if you lose that last crankbait that you only had two of, and you know, you're on tournament day, you think the world's ending, you know, and, uh, uh, but no, you're convinced when, yeah, that's the only color they're going to the bite. That's the only color that they're biting on. <laughs> yep. And you just busted against the rock. So, yeah. <laughs> so I think we've all been there before, too. But no, I mean, it's uh, you want to take your boat and uh, the safety behind it um, and maintenance. I mean, as serious as what you're throwing in your tackle box for the tournament. Uh, Absolutely. You want to always make sure you got spare pieces of whatever you can. Um, and that's another great thing about our guys. Um, here in the club i mean guys will go out of their way to make sure they can do whatever to help you to make sure you're on the water i mean we oh, are fierce competitors and and i know there's a few guys in the club that know kind of how fierce i am out there i've been vocal a few times guys getting too close and stuff but you know off the water or broke down or anything you know uh, we are a very tight group and uh do Agreed. anything for anybody kind of guys and uh and that, that that's how we roll. But uh, um, yeah, boat maintenance is huge. 
um, always stay on top of that. Uh, yep. You never want that to be an issue when, when you're in your, on any day. I mean, that can even ruin a fun day of fishing too. I mean, okay. you're out there uh, uh, trying to have a good time and, and something happens because you might've been neglectful on, on your maintenance or whatnot. It's one of the reasons why I, uh, after every event, um, you know, multiple reasons, but this is a, an additional one is I go through and clean the boat from head to toe. Everything comes out. She gets power sprayed out, gets washed down. Um, I've always said this, when you do that, you get such an intimate understanding of your craft, because if you are hand washing and you are looking at every bit of, you know, every crease, every, you know, weld, you know, whatever, if it's in a big boat or a small boat and not only are you doing awesome for your gear, the conservation side, you keep making sure you're, you know, the yaks clean. So the next body of water you go to, you're not bringing it, but yeah, that maintenance piece, dude, I have, I found so many like loose uh, different screws and stuff. I didn't realize how much, you know, those things loosen up just yeah. over one event. I was like, Oh my gosh, that's my landing gear, dude. I need to make sure that is tight. Absolutely. And so little things like that. So it's uh yeah, I couldn't, and couldn't agree know- more, man. If, I don't know about, I'm assuming you park yours in the garage. Yep. If you don't clean your boat after a tournament out at Swanson or somewhere, <laughs> somewhere and you come back and leave that in the garage, the next morning when your wife goes out, she's going to let you know right away you need to get that thing out of there. And uh, Something is dead in the garage. <laughs> yeah, we've all been guilty of that. So, uh, no, it, it, it's, it's, it's always good to, yeah, get your stuff cleaned out. Um, it, and, uh, for us, you know, reaching into some areas where our drive goes, you don't want to, uh, I mean, you could have a simple as a piece of tagline, uh, that gets wrapped up where it shouldn't and can cause something to go wrong. Um, but no, definitely checking for yep. cracks or any of that stuff like loose bolts, uh, fish finder cables, uh, battery, I mean, battery, how many times I've heard guys that get out on the water, start fishing and have battery issues because their connector is loose or they didn't, they didn't as simple as have a a roll of maybe electrical tape that they can, you know, pin their, their, their stuff back down with. And now they've lost their fish finder for the day and they lost their points and now they're fishing blind. And then it's just a snowball effect from there. And it's, it could be as simple as just a connector on your battery is loose and uh and you just don't have time to mess with that stuff during a tournament you want everything to just run as smooth as possible so that your only only thing to worry about is is getting the fish caught and and hoping your gear will do the rest i'm almost glad when something goes on during practice the pre-fishing period because that way at least it's getting out of the way it's one of the reasons my crew cab truck you can only get two people in it because the entire (laughs) back is tackle and tools and clothes and you know everything that i need on the road you know out there but yeah it's like you know get that stuff out of the way so that way come come tournament morning all i'm thinking about is catching the greens and the browns and and that's it i actually added the the deck system uh, truck bed system to my tundra this nice. last year and it's actually you know i was a little hesitant at first because uh you know i didn't know how how is this going to set up is it going to be more of a hassle or not but it it's all a part in how you run your game and and i can't get into those drawers when my boat's in there so i have to know ahead of time okay gear needs to be you know stowed away in there before i load my kayak um, i'm actually going to probably be leaning more like you to a trailer Yep. next year uh just because um 
for that same reason, trying to get into that deck system, which has been huge. Cause I'm the same way My the back seat of my Tundra is, is ridiculous. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, yeah. I mean, I've slept back there. I mean, there's clothes, there's, you know, yeah. all your rain gear, your extra tackle, all that stuff back there. But now I have a really good dedicated tool side and spare parts side on one side of the deck system. The other side, more on the kayak spare parts for that fishing. Nice that kind of stuff. Everything is just, you know, where it needs to be now. Got your and system. I don't have to second guess anything. It's, it's a great system and it, and it works for me. Um, and I would recommend that if you do a lot of traveling in a, in a truck to look at the deck system, um, because those drawers are nice. They lock, um, then your tailgate will close and lock. So you kind of have a, it's double locked and, uh, they've worked out great. And, and, um, I, I, you know, I plan on staying with that system now, if yep. I go into another vehicle, because I use it enough and it's that beneficial in, in fishing and traveling, uh, it just makes it for an, a nice area to store more gear to just know you have and a, a good peace of mind. So and it's definitely re- look into that. It's that rinse and repeat, man. You got to get your system down. If you're going to do this, you know, on, on any level uh, yeah. that, <laughs> excuse me, that takes you out of uh, just doing, you know, local, local stuff, even for that matter, if you're just doing local, but you're getting serious about it, you, you want to maximize your efficiency. So, yeah, we've toyed with uh, looking at the deck system. I've, I've done some work with S cargo up uh, out of Loveland up there. It's an awesome, yeah. awesome company. Yeah. That's where I bought my topper from. Oh, They've sweet. got a ton of truck accessories up there. And so, yeah, we, we were looking at that pretty close there, but uh, we'll, we're not a hundred percent sure where we're, where we're going to be with the truck and everything well, else the over old, the next few years. So the bummer. And I, I will say on this end uh, with that deck system is uh, boondocks actually designed a t-bone bed extender to accommodate the deck system oh wow supposedly (laughs) now i i went ahead and ordered one and it didn't fit i had to get another one ordered and it's still not as tall as it needs to be so they need to kind of work on the engineering part of it now it makes my kayak sit kind of at an angle now when it's in the back of my truck therefore i have to have a stability support uh a foam up into the front to grab the nose up. So for hauling in the bed of the truck, the deck system, I would say is not the best choice in a pinch. You can do it. And I do it now um, and travel just fine with it. Um, It's a little wonky to, to load it on an incline when your feet are digging in the sand and stuff. Um, It's a little bit tough, but uh, just to let you know that it's, it's, it's not exactly a, a good fit even though they said they made it and they extended that for the deck system sure. for my truck, for the, for my Tundra, it, it's still a little bit off. Um, another reason why I'm thinking going more towards the trailer side for 23, yep. uh, just because I, I see how, how I much think, more beneficial that can be. I think if you look at any of the bigger yaks out there and you look it it doesn't take a whole lot of time before you see guys going into trailers with the big yaks. The guys that are still putting them in the back of the trucks, you know, either, um, you know, just diehard, you know, truck haulers. Um, but you know, it's uh, for the most part. I mean, I would say the lion's share. You got your you got your few that don't, but the lion's share are have gone to the trailers. I can yeah. say it, it is you know firsthand experience. I did I did truck half the season, trailer the last couple events. And man, night and day, um, you know, my feet get more wet on the trailer, 
putting it in the water than they did, you know, coming out of the back of the truck. Sure. Um, and there's some advantages with the truck, you know, where you can launch and such. But uh, I do love the, you know, I can rig my yak completely to the nines, even the rods and everything go in. And I literally kick it off the trailer and it goes into the water, pull it up <laughs> yeah. to the shore and I'm out. Yeah. Walk back down with my life vest, you know, my PFD and bang, I'm out. You know, I can, I'm ready to rock. Makes so it nice. That is nice as opposed to hauling all my stuff out of the truck, you know, down to the shoreline and such. I, I do appreciate well, that. And I, I consider myself, I mean, I'm getting a little long in the tooth now. I mean, we're, I'm <laughs> in the, you know, I'm in my forties now and, and no, I still feel like I'm in decent shape, but I'll tell you loading those Hobies into a back of a pickup. I mean, dude, literally you, it's the kind of loading where, I mean, unless you're a real tank of a, of a guy, um, you, you could easily tweak your back you know Easily. and that could be right before your tournament starts um you know so you got to be smart too and and not always be muscle muscle on everything um because the last thing i want to do is try to unload or load my my hobie before a tournament out of the back of the truck and and tweak myself because i'm trying to hold it a certain way or trying to get it off and now i'm fishing miserable the rest of the day Exactly. Once again, going back to a, a something that you could have controlled ahead of time. And uh, so, yeah, there's there's a lot more to it than just, you know, throwing it in the back of the truck and, and going uh, when you're as hardcore as, as we are getting to be in this. Um, you want everything just to run as fluid as possible. And yep. I watch like yourself, uh, Kenny, uh, Kenton Lemon, the Strawbridge, the guys who, who have nice trailers. And uh, yeah, no, I, I envy you guys because, uh, <laughs> you know, while I'm sitting there struggling and pushing that thing up, you know, it's pretty easy gliding for you guys. And it's just a smart thing to do um, if we're going to continue to put the miles on and do what we do. And you got, um, and when you have those bigger ahead. yaks, that's the key. Yeah, the, the yeah. bigger yaks. Yeah, 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 exactly. When we're fishing from these big ones. Um, but no, it, it is still fun too to throw something, you know, in the back of a pickup and and not have to tow anything and yep. and uh, just take off however you want. But I think the reality is with the gear we haul now, the rods we bring, um, it's the weight that we're putting in with our new batteries or motors or whatnot. I've actually the, got the, the, the I've actually thing. I've actually got plans for one of the events at the All American is called Mind Lands in Kansas. What a sweet place that looks like. Dude, but there's like, you know, 150 different little lakes that you can fish on in this area. So what wow. I'm actually considering doing is going down there, hauling it down with the trailer, but then on pre-fishing and tournament day, I have a feeling I might go back to the bed of the truck just so that yeah. way I can quickly in and out i can get back into some of these smaller little areas and i can drop it out i just need to come up with a, a more effective cart uh, i have to say firsthand i'm just i'm not a fan of the landing gear style i've got both okay. the boondocks and i have the sidekick system okay dude the stress it puts on the rails and on the hull really you know, if okay. you if you just have even the slightest bit of weight in that thing to me, it just the cart is for the heavier yaks. The cart is the way to go, and okay. so I have a feeling that's what I may toy around with. That it's just where will I? Where can I put that bed extender? Do I even need a bed extender for that little bit of running around? I'm going to do. You know, it's not going to be back there that long. So yeah, I might uh, I might toy around with that. Where long haul it on the trailer so that way I can you know get. But once I'm there and I can unload at a hotel, maybe just throw it in the back the there extender. and. Yeah, run around like that so I can get in and out of those little places like that. Because well, one the trailer one is a trick. Think, oh yeah, 
one thing that I've done with the bed extender and, and everybody, they kind of look at it a little goofy is, is I actually took big pieces of carpet, rolled it around the, the, where the padding is on the bed extender and then gorilla taped around that carpet so that they, they can still spin. Yep. And what that does for loading and unloading is almost works as a guide to kind yeah. of help the boat in and out. Where That's it's, awesome. not, it's not catching. I mean, it's, it's a totally wonky rig design, but it works great. I was going to say, uh, man, it's functionality is everything. It helps a ton. So, you know, if you do, if you do this uh, tournament, you're talking about where you think you're going to uh, load up in the truck. I would just, I, uh, in your bed extender, I would just do kind of the same thing, almost like a foam roller kind of deal. Yep. Um, they have to be able to move. That's the major thing. But once I pull, go back and forth, it, it's it's really fairly easy. Um, it's just the initial getting the boat onto the bed extender and raising it up where you yep. want to be careful. I mean, if you're doing that, you know, a few times a day, like at this mine, the this lake you're mentioning where you might be hitting up 20 of those spots of water <laughs> after you're on the water coming in uh, in and out that's where injuries can happen and i just stress you know just totally. always be very careful with loading and unloading you could twist your ankle you could bust a knee you can do Easy. a lot of different stuff you know so just be careful with the heavier yaks now the light yep. ones you know yep. you can just throw them in there but uh i noticed sure. that this year quite a bit in the different places we went um just watching where you're stepping and and stuff when you're unloading and and just being you know careful because you don't want anything to affect your your day of fishing you know nope. and and a busted up ankle or or uh you trip and and your phone may fall in the water who knows there's a ton of different stuff and yep. and you just got to be careful out there um in the dark you know that's another big one trying to unload in the dark i was gonna and, say that's, uh, get that's down to the shore that's almost every every day for us when we're out there during the, yeah. during the summertime. We're at, we're out before the sun comes up. So, well, listen, man, I can't thank you enough for sitting down talking fishing with us Absolutely. here, uh, talking about the club. You had an amazing, awesome freaking season. Um, I for one, am, I feel better as as an angler the fact that I had to fish against you out there. Uh, you you helped me in my transition into these kayaks, learning understanding kind of getting an idea of you know seeing somebody at the top of their game out there where where you're at it was huge um as i said before all you guys at the ckb were were uh you you got my loyalty man i'm i'm in through and through i i i absolutely love uh love fishing we're gonna it's a it's a priority for us to make sure we're hitting as many of the ckb events as we can um, awesome. which I think, I think I can hit all, but maybe one I have, there's a all American, uh, conflict on one event. I think um, the one we were just talking about, isn't it? I think the, is it the minefield one? Or that the, might be conflicting I think with that's the, Norton, the Norton, Kansas event, which sucks because yeah. Norton looks yeah. like it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. But, yeah. I seen Matt Flanagan out there just wrecking them here he was a, tearing a, them a up. few weeks ago. Another, another guy who we got to watch come in this year and and just ex i mean this every tournament he got better and stronger i told him this, and you know, last week just stronger and telling him stick stick to your own style buddy and and just roll with it because you could see the progression in math totally. throughout the whole year and and uh, and again he's another one that's not afraid to travel 
and along yeah. with yourself. And that's, you know, the CKB, that's, you see the guys in that group that aren't afraid to venture off and not only just fish, you know, our tournament schedule with a few out of state, but go out of town. I mean, I've, I've been in Louisiana and watched Paul Roth just wreck them, you know, I mean, go out there and just wreck them. Jason, same thing out, you know, go to other bodies of water. And it's so cool to see guys from Colorado who, who finished good. Uh, you at Lewis and Clark this year finished in third. How, how cool is that to have yeah. a guy from Colorado? Just, you know, we we're such a flyby state when it comes to bass fishing <laughs> that, yeah, uh, and spans certain sports and stuff too, probably. But um, it it's so <laughs> cool to see some guys coming from this way, yep, and and going out to different bodies of water and and excelling. And uh, hopefully, we get some more, uh, you know, this next year to to get out and about too. So yeah, I would I I thank you so much for having me on. I know we're kind of long winded, but we're talking about what we love. And uh, that's right. And then everybody knows me. Um, that's in the club knows I'll, I'll do anything for anybody anytime that I can. Um, just please stay within a cast length of me when we're fishing out there. So I don't have to holler at you. Um, that's the main thing. Um, you can wave at me from a while back, but if, if we're in, if we're in tournament mode, um, you might get a frown if you, if you come in too tight on me and that's just cause I, we're all competitive, you know, but, uh, but we'll I think that's, we, that's we'll, pretty we'll commonplace. I think people yeah. should, I mean, we we've been fishing long enough to know you know what that this is dude's area okay so stay back right. out of it if you're out in the middle of a lake and there's a you know uh, enough of a, a area the standard rule of thumb is hey man mind if i get me a little bit of this over here and if no i'd rather you not cool all right well good luck <laughs> yeah <laughs> or, i mean it, hey yeah, yeah go ahead most- if you stay down there and i'll fish this side you got you take that cool we're all right you have to be yeah. vocal. Yeah, you have to be yeah. vocal because you got to know, you know, where guys' stance are on how they are. Some guys, they they don't care at all. You can come right in on them, and they don't mind at all. Um, but I, I'm I'm a little bit different when when we're I'm, in full tournament. I'm right mode, there I, with you. Yeah, I, I like I, to kind of. I you're you're my competitor that day, and yeah. I'm, I'm out to. I'm trying to get you. You know, and well, and, but, and uh, when I'm fishing and working an area. You know, I, I want to know that I'm working the area. I don't want there to be because I mean it's it's inevitable, man. I'm sitting here working. Yeah, go ahead, come on in, and he you know yanks a four out of there, whatever. I'm gonna be like, <laughs> dude, I don't know if I can talk to you now after this event, right? <laughs> you right. know, so yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I like my I like my space. Um, I try to make sure I always extend that to other anglers. I don't ever, you know, if I'm if I ever you know encroach, it is by pure accident. I didn't see. Um, I have met guys, you know, at a point where didn't see them till we both got there. It's like, ooh, oh yeah, you know, oh, it's like, wow, okay, quite a bit, especially in our little kayaks when we're sitting yep. so low to the water. You're working a point, you got a guy on the other side of the point, and you guys are working together, and boom, you meet right there in the middle, yep. and uh, that does happen. Yeah, that does. But uh, no, this is a killer group of guys, um, yep. guys that have been teaching me for quite a few years now. I mean, uh, a lot of these guys uh, took me under the wing a few years ago also. And, uh, they wouldn't tell me what to do. They would just, you know, help me follow my own direction. I guess you could say that's the path. That's the best thing you can ever do for a competitive angler. It's uh, guys want, you know, all the information, this and this and this, you don't want that. Trust me. You know, you got to do it your way. Um, 
you know, and just getting that advice to help you along that is, is so huge. So yeah. well, listen, man, again, thank you again so very much for coming on here. Absolutely. We're going to go ahead and uh, uh, we'll get this thing back. Uh, hopefully I can piece this together from our little dropped off connection there. It'll, it'll check out, but we will absolutely plan uh, uh, on having you back on here. Hopefully I'm going to take some of uh, we, what we talked about off air there on the possibility we can get, uh, you know, some, maybe some live coverage coming from some of these events here, man. That Boy, would be that, that super would be, cool. Oh, I'm telling you, I mean, I, I, I might be speaking out of line here, but I think even a little bit of a live aspect of uh, interviewing or catching sure. a guy coming off the water, maybe the guy had a great day. Maybe the, the guy was leading one day and something happened. I mean, some guys might not want to talk, you know, right out of the gates, you know, if they're having a bad day or not. But I'll tell you, if you could somehow incorporate a live aspect, yeah. there's nothing, there's nothing out there for us right now. It, it, I think we were talking, you know, it's, it's uh, our tournament directors are already stretched thin as it is with, with what they have to deal with that. It, it's, it's sometimes it's three, four days before we even get a recap on how the fishing went and and you know some of the anglers will post here and there how they did and stuff but it's all after the fact and and to be able to catch somebody or two dudes that are battling it out at the end of the of a tournament so close like even like jason and i were with aoi that suspense at if you could just catch a little bit of that and open that up to people that that you know haven't seen that side of of what we do i think would be killer man and yeah i'm i back you 100 percent on that and i would help you out with whatever you need to on that end for sure man yeah we'll uh we'll we'll mess around with it for sure and i absolutely uh you know as uh some of the some of the cool stuff that gets dropped any news like that i'd love to have you come back here man having your knowledge yeah. get, get your opinion on these things it's always good to chew, chew the cud you know on different topics out there and see different <laughs> chew the cud. i like that so yeah that's now, <laughs> now you're aging us a little bit there buddy. that's awesome i just no, dated I, us I, <laughs> I'm, I'm uh I, I i'll be back anytime you want buddy i'll help you awesome, out with whatever you need all right brother well thank you very much and uh we'll go ahead and uh wrap this up folks make sure to hit hit that subscribe button uh check out trev online there watch the ckb and you'll see all kinds of cool stuff going down next season looks like it's going to be just as awesome as this one absolutely